And as a Christmas surprise, welcome to the third episode of the Yannick Sinner Show. I'm Miki Fossati. With me in studio, we have Leonardo Poggi. Hi, Leonardo. Welcome. Hi, Miki. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. As you know, we are trying to win the prize for 2023 as the most regular podcast in tennis. Um, <laughs> it won't be trying. easy. We are trying, yes. <laughs> it won't be easy. We had two episodes in, in the spring, basically, and the third one in December. But, you know, you know, you need to try. So welcome, everybody. Uh, this is the Yannick Sinner Show. Um, it's a tennis podcast focused on Sinner, but not really. We want to tell you something about Italy and what tennis is for Italy for us Italians. So what we are talking about today, Leo? We are talking about uh, the media, the press, uh, the, the sporting press, not only, but mostly, and uh, how the, the sporting media landscape is structured in Italy and what his uh, relationship with Yannick is and how it has developed uh, through these uh, years and in this year in particular and this last few months in particular. Yeah. So before we start you know, telling the story of uh, what's the press, what's the media in Italy, Uh, and what's happening. I'd like to describe a situation that happened just before the Davis Cup, if I'm, I'm not remembering wrong. And the idea is that uh, the TV shows in Italy are always trying to glorify someone and put some shame on someone else. And that's a typical way to describe everything in Italy, but also, you know, sport and sportments. So at some point in TV, we had this program with a journalist called Balivo, and, and they, she invited Nicola Pietrangeli, that is one of the biggest names in tennis history in Italy. Now he's more than 80 and is very present in the press and in the social media. And is so famous that one of the courts in, in, for Italico in Rome, where we played Internazionale Italia, is named after him. So it's really, really a big name of tennis in Italy. And... They were playing a game like with two pictures of Berrettini and Sina. So the idea is that they had a shredding machine uh, in, in the studio and Baliva was asking Pietrangeli, who, who are you keeping and who are you shredding, either Berrettini or Sina? And so Pietrangeli said, if we are talking about tennis, I'm shredding Berrettini. And Baliva started shredding the picture of Berrettini. But, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Pietrangeli said, no, but if we are talking about persons, like no better Berrettini, I'm shredding Sina. So, Everybody was about to be shredded and, and Balivo to save the situation, say, okay, okay, so let's keep Adriano Panatta, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's shred them both and keep uh, Yes. yes. It, it was surreal, really surreal. <laughs> But also, also, it's a very typical media and TV interaction in Italy. So who are you going yeah. to shred today, Leo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's worth mentioning, I, I did a very, very brief research I, um, well, it's not even fair to call it research but i i was curious to say because we have a game in italy a, a word game so a, a talking games which is called kibuti giù dalla torre which literally means who do you throw out down the, the tower, down, down <laughs> the tower yes. so the idea is you have two I, i give you two names and you have to throw out of the tower so to kill one of the two So, which is to say, of course, the other one is the one that you like better. And um, I, I searched how to say this in, in English, and I also asked for another friend of mine who lives in London, and she told me that uh, there is no such game in uh, in England. Can <laughs> you confirm? Or I, I, I never, I never heard about that. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I can't confirm 100%, But nobody um, from my friends are here. Is playing something similar, so yeah, maybe that it's like this. Um, so, um, so yeah, we, we, we like to, <laughs> to throw people <laughs> down the tower, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's worth uh, making la- like a general picture of the of the, s- the landscape of the the media in, in the sport media in Italy, uh, which I think it's it's a bit peculiar. Um, I don't know how many of our international listeners will uh, think. Oh, yeah, we have a similar situation. So let's just see how how it is. We have three sport newspapers, daily newspapers: La Gazzetta dello Sport, Tutto Sport. E il Corriere dello Sport Stadio. La Gazzetta dello Sport is by far the most popular, not only of those three, but it's it's one of the most popular uh, daily newspapers in Italy, even including the, the normal ones, I mean, the ones who, who, who talk about politics, uh, etc. Yeah, when you say uh, uh, daily newspapers, we are actually talking about paper still, right? So yes, they are printed yes, yes. and distributed in the whole peninsula, all three of them. Yes. Uh, la Gazzetta dello Sport, which is briefly called also La Gazzetta or even La Gazza, or La Rosa, the, the pink one, because the, the paper on which is printed is uh, pink tinted. And uh, by the way, that's also the reason why the cyclist who wins the Giro d'Italia uh, has, a, has a pink jersey, because the Giro d'Italia is organized historically by the, the Gazzetta dello Sport. So they talk about sport every day, every, all day, every day of the year. Considering this, one might think, yeah, what, what, what are they <laughs> publishing? Well, I mean, it, it must be difficult to fill 40 pages of, uh, of a newspaper every day only focusing on sport. But in fact, it's even more difficult because they, they, they don't actually do this. They, out of the 48, I think, pages of, I mean, whatever the, the, the number of pages is, 60, 70% of those pages are focused on football. Football in the European sense of the word, uh, so calcio in Italian. And they constantly speak about this, even when there is no football played. So even during the summer, tournaments are suspended, no one is playing. Still on the front page of the Gazeta and for the first, I don't know, 10, 12, 20 pages, it's Juventus has bought uh, <laughs> this new player. This other player maybe will go to Inter or to Milan and, and so on. The space for every other sport there is some space uh, dedicated to cycling because of the historical roots of the that newspaper uh, also formula one has some decent coverage every other sport tennis included is forgotten mostly yeah. it's uh, it's in the, in the back pages and uh, uh, with very little coverage and especially on the front page really something really really big needs to happen for it to be uh, present on the the cover and it it will always be together with a, uh, some piece of news regarding football. It will never be. It's impossible. Maybe maybe in tennis, for instance, if Sinner wins a slam, then he could be the main. Uh, if Sinner or any other Italian player would win a slam, that would be the main news. Otherwise, yeah, but, uh, yeah even, even though also in the past, we, we have success, for example, in Alpine skiing or in skiing in general, in winter sports, uh, in tennis, in volleyball. And there's no space for the sports in, in the newspapers. That's, that's incredible. And for me, the most incredible thing is that not only the Gazzetta, that is by far the most popular paper, doesn't make any space for sports, but also the other two are not like fighting the Gazzetta yes. with you know some maybe differentiation of the subjects, but they are basically following the same pattern all over again. It's now like decades that is going like that, right? Yeah, the differentiation is that uh, Gazzetta is published in Milan, Tutto Sport is published in Turin, and Corriere Sport Study is published in Rome. So Gazzetta focuses more on Inter and Milan, uh, Tutto Sport more on Juventus and Torino, and uh, Corriere <laughs> on Roma and Lazio. But still, is 
football <laughs> all day long, every day. Yeah. And uh, the situation on the media more or less reflects uh, this, uh, what we are talking about. So the sport, sports on TV, well, it has gone through tectonic uh, shifts uh, due to from the passage from when there were only two channels at, at all in, in Italy in, in the 80s. The private broadcasting companies came along, then the, the pay TVs, now internet streaming services. So, of course, it has changed a lot, but still every change has uh, been, uh, let's say, focused on football mostly. Yes. So, yes. watching other sports is difficult and uh, tennis is especially difficult but that's not only an italian thing i think uh, it's, it's because it's very fractioned so uh, when if you want to watch the australian open you need to have a subscription to eurosport if you want to watch the atp tournaments you need to have uh, sky or super tennis if you want to watch uh, wimbledon it's uh, sky again i mean it's it's quite complicated yeah, also, also, you know, maybe some coverage of not live events or past events, you must think, you know, because now with uh, the digital era of TV, we have like thousands of channels in TV, and some of them are dedicated to sports. So there is, for example, a Rai Sport channel. Uh, Rai is the, the, the main TV channel, public TV channel in Italy, and there is a single channel dedicated to sport. But if you turn on Rai Sport on any day, it's easier to see, I don't know, bowling or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, someone playing cards or something like that, then having main sports. I'm not talking only about tennis, not even historic games, nothing, really, really nothing. Yeah, yeah. And one thing worth mentioning, which is, a, a, in my opinion, a good thing, and I think it's a, this is a really peculiar thing of, of Italy, uh, it's that for tennis, we have, since a few years, a broadcasting uh, TV station called Super Tennis, which is run by the Italian Tennis Federation, and uh, it's focused only uh, on tennis and paddle and uh, I mean racket <laughs> sports but um, mostly tennis and uh, it's free so you can watch it regularly you don't have to pay for anything it's it's just there and until this year it showed uh, quite a, quite a lot of um, tennis it's the sole broadcaster of WTA matches and uh, it shows also the ATP 250 and the 500 so tournaments like Vienna, for instance, or I don't know, Barcelona or Munich, those kind of tournaments. And uh, yeah, and, and also this year for the first time, it also uh, broadcast uh, the US Open. But for the next year, things uh, change a little bit. Uh, I don't know, it's still unclear what, what's going to happen with Super uh, Tennis next year. Anyway, it's a way to make it popular again among the the general population because in the up until the 80s before the the private comp tv companies came along t uh, tennis was uh, one of the most popular sports in italy due to the fact that it was broadcasted for free by uh, rai so the, the yep. italian national broadcaster so you you, uh, you could watch i remember when i was a kid uh, i was watching roland garros and uh, wimbledon it was uh, during the summer it was uh, a pleasure to to watch them maybe when i was studying and then making some uh, some stops and then watching some tennis and then studying again so yeah i think that's the that's about it for the general uh, situation yep. and uh, so this is the the ecosystem in italy basically a single a handed media platform for for paper almost nothing uh, from tv right and uh, if if you don't if you don't go to the pay-per-view uh, broadcasts and what happened in in italy that in a way the media platforms were not aware even they were hostiles 
against Yannick Sinner. How can it happen? Yeah, I think, again, we, we need to go back a little bit to talk about some history. Historically, the way that sport in general has been covered in Italy, regardless of what sport, that, that goes for, for every sport, it's by telling the story of a fight between two. Of a rivalry, yeah. Of a rivalry, yes. yes. This goes way back at least until, the let's say, the, the Second World War, when we had two very strong and popular cyclists, Fausto Coppi and, uh, and Barkley. And they were very popular. They had very two very different personalities. So they were perfect for um, describing the situation, not only as a sporting competition, but also as a rivalry between those two men. And there's also a very famous picture which uh, shows them during one uphill i think it was uh, during the tour de france they are climbing the mountain they are covered in sweat uh, very exhausted by by fatigue and uh, one is in front the other is behind and uh, they pass the drinking bottle yeah so probably one of the two has finished his water so the other one is giving his bottle to the other one but the way the picture is taken you don't know who is giving the bottle to who. So it's a, it's a very interesting picture that generated a lot of discussion and so on. But anyway, the rivalry between Copi and Bartali worked so well that at least maybe it, it was something that even was going on even before them. But surely after them, every, well, most of Italian sports journalists have tried to recreate a rivalry between two sport personalities in the sport that they were covering again in cycling for instance in the 80s it was moser and saronni also in other sports and in tennis they rivera tried... mazzola, rivera in, mazzola. In, football, yeah. in milan football for example yes also baggio and del piero for instance yeah. In tennis, uh, they tried to. Well, in tennis, they couldn't do it uh, <laughs> with Italian tennis players because there were no Italian tennis. We, we didn't have to. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, at least at the level of being, let's say, in the elite, uh, international elite of the sport. But a few years ago, uh, this started to change, and when the Sinner and Musetti appeared on the on the stage they seemed actually very adept for for this kind of uh, storytelling because they were of similar age uh, both uh, young and up and coming and uh, very strong uh, with very different uh, play styles very different personalities also different background well they were perfect for this except for one little thing <laughs> they they didn't agree <laughs> to have any rivalry between them so it didn't it didn't work like that yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember the the first press conferences it was a constant uh when the uh, italian journalists were interviewing sinner you could all be sure there would be at least one probably more questions about musetti when they were interviewing Musetti, there were questions about Sina all the time. But they never, uh, luckily uh, for both of them, never said anything. They didn't give the, those journalists even like a word that could be used to fire yeah. up this, this rivalry. Yeah. But they yeah. tried and tried. Yeah.
And so this gives also some some explanation why they were trying to shred either uh, <laughs> yeah. Berrettini yeah. or uh, Sinner because this could be another rivalry, right? Because they are different persons, different play styles. But yeah, but still at this point, uh, the media doesn't have any handle on on rivalries in Italy in Italian tennis. So what was happening in the autumn was that um, in the qualifying round of Coppa Davis, Sinner decided not to take part of the qualifying qualify round. Uh, and the reason was that, um, well, every athlete has a preparation as uh, a team behind and uh, they know how tired you, ha- you are, they know how much rest you need you know, to complete the season. There is a perfectly valid reason and it's a, a reason concerned about sports and not about politics or anything else. The moment Sina decided not to take part to the uh, qualifying round in Bologna, it was uh, in Italy of the Coppa Davis and uh, the Davis Cup and also probably because the first match against Canada went very badly uh, for Italy, Gazzetta dello Sport started, you know, a campaign, a real campaign of uh, very violent attacks to Yannick Sinner. They did last for at least one month, I think. Uh, maybe I don't remember well, but it was very long and very cruel. And it was, you know, about anything, not about tennis, but about, you know, the attachment to the national jersey and the colors and and your nation and, you know, your responsibility and everything like that. What do you remember yeah. the most about that? Yeah, I remember that it was surprising and not surprising at the same time. I mean, not surprising because we have described in one of the first episodes uh, the relationship between Italy and uh, South Tyrol in general and uh, but also not only because of that but uh, I mean for instance we had uh, one of the the main sporting figures outside of football we had in the past uh, 40 years in Italy it's Alberto Tomba and he who is one of the greatest uh, ski- alpine skiers of all time and that still didn't was not enough for him to be not uh, attacked by by the mm. press. He had his share of attacks and so on. So uh, let's say when we mentioned rivalry framing uh, before, if they they find it good, if they don't, then the rivalry be- becomes a rivalry between the sportmen and uh, the paper the newspaper basically. itself yes it's incredible but so it's true they, yes they try to create something tax some vicious ways of talking about stuff and so on so they not always but often go for the the bad angle they try to to make uh, noise and problems and uh, even when there is none um, yeah, so yeah. so that's what was not surprising but also surprising because, in fact, it's been quite some time since we saw this level of attack by Gazzetta della Sport against an Italian sportman. It was, again, I'm not saying it was unprecedented because it wasn't, but you don't see it very often. Yeah? They normally prefer to speak about uh, good things, but in this case, it was a really, really strong attack. And I remember articles 
Also, by the way, often written not by the journalists who typically cover tennis uh, in the Gazzetta dello Sport, but by outside uh, names who were hired, like, I don't know, guns for hire, probably. Uh, maybe the <laughs> those who, who speak normally about tennis didn't want to, to say this because it was not true also. Uh, they, they started to, to distort things in a way. So they dig up again the fact that Yannick didn't participate to the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Uh, again, that at the time it was a, a decision that was taken by Sinner because it was not right for him to go to the Olympics in that moment. It was a b- bad period and he needed, needed to focus on his uh, growth as a tennis player. But many people criticized that. And then they, as I said, they distorted things because, in fact, this time in Bologna, it wasn't the first time that Yannick didn't play the Coppa Davis. But the other previous times, once he was injured, so he couldn't go at the end of last year, he wasn't part of the team, but simply because it was injured. So, And before that, it was when he was really young and he could theoretically have been uh, selected, but the the captain of Italy didn't select him because... um, Again, it was too young, and at the time, the the main players were Fognini or Berrettini already, and so it it's not like he refused something that uh, he would have done uh, anyway. No. And then in those articles in the Gazzetta, they started again to say about things like he's not a true Italian, he doesn't <laughs> yes. feel like an Italian. There was another article in another newspaper because it was for a well, Gazzetta was the most vicious, but for a few days it was not only Gazzetta, it was many other. The main newspapers were going along with this. There was, I remember, one article on the Corriere della Sera where the interview, I don't know who, I don't remember who interviewed, probably Pietrangeli because they always go back to him because he <laughs> answered. Every time they call him, he's uh, happy to answer. But anyway, the, the problem was not the person who was speaking, but the, the journalist who asked this question. How do you explain such a level of enthusiasm for a player who is born so close to the border with Austria? And I remember in the other podcast in 3040, we have a podcast in Italian for Italian tennis uh, people, me, you, and the other co-host, Marta, how far did you were born from the <laughs> Italian border? <laughs> By the way, the, the most famous Italian uh, uh, journalist, uh, tennis journalist, who is so famous that he's, haven't been, he's even been introduced uh, to the um, Hall of Fame of tennis, not the Italian Hall of Fame, eh, but the real one, is Gianni Clerici. He was born even closer to the border, but <laughs> yes. in, a, in a better part of Italy, according to these people, no? in, in a part that doesn't raise this question. If you are born close in Como, in Lombardy, close to the border with Switzerland, it's okay. It's uh, it's when you are close to the border with Austria, then then you are... It's not okay anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a marvel that people care about you. And another uh, article that Gazzetta published in those uh, days was another 
attack to the the lack of attachment of Yannick towards the the Italian country, the Italian jersey. They reached out to six or seven former Italian uh, Olympians in several sports like um, rowing, uh, fencing, um, swimming, cycling. And they asked uh, them uh, to, to talk about uh, Yannick and all their uh, declarations were critic were something like uh, uh, you don't say no to Italy when it comes to represent uh, represent it in the Olympic Games this is the pinnacle of the sport and so on but then a Twitter user contacted them contacted several of them and uh, actually it came out that they didn't say what was reported in the article, uh, their words had been distorted in a way so to appear as they were critical of uh, Sinner while they were not. And then, well, guess what? Italy won the Davis Cup. <laughs> yeah. So now they're not in only, not, Yeah, not only won the Davis Cup, but Sinner beat a player named Novak Djokovic like two times in a row in the same day. So suddenly, no attack w- was possible anymore, right? Yeah, now now Yannick is a, is a full-blown star who is starting to go beyond the strict borders of his own sport. Now he's starting to become, uh, for one month, uh, also because now there is no played tennis, so he's starting to become uh, a, a, an overall star, somebody who is recognized even by people who don't follow closely tennis. Yeah. Uh, so they invite him to TV shows that have nothing to do with tennis uh, and, and things like that. But yeah. also Gazzetta and the other newspapers have started you know, publishing uh, interviews and profiles yeah. uh, and uh, slow down with the attacks. And... It's fine for us. Uh, also, other attacks that had been uh, done uh, back then, it was, there's another angle which is often used against uh, tennis players, not only against Yannick. As many other tennis players do, Yannick is resident in Monte Carlo which, of course, for fiscal reasons, is a good thing for the person because it pays uh, much less taxes. And this thing is, uh, from time to time, used. I remember uh, a TV show was making the same argument against Berrettini a few years ago when he was the most popular tennis player when he when he reached the, the final in Wimbledon. So as soon as you become a, a very strong tennis player, if you live in Monte Carlo, you you can be assured that will, somebody will say something bad yes. against this uh, this decision. Yeah, so there was also this angle. Yeah, but now that he's a, he's a star, you can see that uh, the the attacks are in the garage. But I I don't <laughs> think that they disappear. They are just parked there, and uh, they will pop up uh, again at the next uh, possible opportunity. What do you think? Well, unless uh, Sinner is starting winning consistently big tournaments, at that point, I'm expecting someone to say, we always knew, we always said that he was the best, something like that. So, 
Yeah, yeah, that, that will happen. But I'm sure that even if he wins, uh, I don't know, 10 Grand Slams, there will be uh, a part of the press willing to go against the grain and to be the ones who, who I don't know, uh, discover something bad about him and, and things like that. So It's not that it's... I don't want to say that... Uh, it, you should never say something negative about him. Eh? No, no, if no. he does something which is actually worth criticizing, let's criticize him. It's absolutely it's good to to do this. What is not good is to invent things from nothing, or even worse, uh, saying that uh, people who are born close to the border are not real Italian. They don't feel real Italian. Uh, such uh, such pathetic uh, things <laughs> i don't know you you can i think it's i'll give you my impression you tell me what do you think about it for reasons that i don't know that i can imagine but i don't know so i'm not going to mention them yannick many tennis journalists didn't understand sinner from the beginning yeah. as a player and as a person as well and they still were not understanding him even this year at the beginning of the year again as i say both as a player as a how strong he could be and as a his personality so you could constantly hear or read in papers or see on tv or listen in podcasts journalists i mean and i mean not people like us but people who are whose profession is to follow tennis so theoretically they should know more about it but not in this case and um, you could really it was very easy to to see that they were not understanding the person and so when whenever since sinner is evolving quite fast if you don't understand him and say something uh, very affirmative about him in a space of a few months you will be proven wrong I mean, by the facts. No? And so they remember what they said or they wrote, and they it's a constant chase to backtrack from the wrong thing you, you said uh, two months ago, but not by understanding now. No, you keep not understanding him. So <laughs> you say something wrong, which is different from what you said earlier, but it's still wrong. And you keep being wrong... <laughs> until this day <laughs> and uh, it's like um, when you take a shower and uh, the water is too cold and then what you do you 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 turn the faucet to completely to to hot in order to have a, a hot water as fast as possible but then it becomes too hot then and then you turn it again to the other side and you never stabilize on the correct temperature of the water no? and that's what i i'm i'm seeing many journalists who didn't understand him from the start and are still don't understanding right now and they're yeah. still doing this and, i think uh, i think the main reason is that they don't acknowledge that especially in tennis it well when you grow up in a culture that is full of football football have a very peculiar process because the team grows because you buy very strong players, not really because you grow them, with some exception, of course. So you create a culture where the process of growing in terms of 
a player in terms of an athlete, etc., is a little bit hidden behind something else. But in tennis, you don't, you know, buy other other people's muscles or another racket or whatever. You have to grow as an athlete and as a tennis player. And this is a process that is very peculiar for very few sports. I mean, I can I can tell maybe I know skating or climbing or other individual sports, but it's very far from the football culture. So I think one problem is that they don't actually recognize the process at all. Oh, that's a very interesting take. I, I never considered this, but I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it makes sense. I want to take uh, the opportunity of a question that we have been asked by one of our listeners. By the way, if you are interested in uh, what we are telling about Yannick, about Italy, and want to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter. At uh, We'll put a link uh, in the um, podcast notes. Uh, it's Telegrammi di Tennis is my handle. And uh, yours, Mickey? My handle is Mezzomondo, but yeah, just put them in the description. So you can uh, reach us and uh, ask uh, whatever you want. And maybe if it's interesting, we will cover it in one of our next episodes, who will appear, who knows when. <laughs> With the same regular cadence. And <laughs> yes, exactly. But anyway, uh, we have been asked, who is Ubaldo? Ubaldo is Ubaldo Scanagatta and is an historical tennis journalist who has been covering tennis since forever and uh, even when he was probably maybe the only Italian tennis journalist in the press rooms for for many years and uh, I have to say that he was not part of the attack against Yannick that we were discussing right now. He was one of those journalists who attempted in the beginning to create some, to write some rivalry between uh, Sinner and, uh, and Musetti. And I think I'm not wrong in saying that he likes Musetti better as a, as a player which is, of course, absolutely uh, normal. Fine, yes. There's not a problem in, in this, of course. But uh, I think he's uh, some guy who, who, who has been there for a long time. He's been colleague of that other journalist who I was mentioning before, Gianni Clerici, and also Rino Tommasi. We had a generation of uh, very good uh, tennis journalists uh, uh, in the past in Italy and um, yeah he is one of the of those uh, journalists yeah he's famous because in press conferences usually is the one that asks very strange questions yes uh, I, i think he likes a little bit to be on the stage too so he's always trying to put players in in a difficult position and to answer let's say at least uncommon questions So yeah. not everybody likes him. For us, for Italians, is a very important figure in, in the journalism. And he owns a online newspaper called UB Tennis, uh, UB as in Ubaldo. And now that you know tennis is becoming again very popular in Italy, there is a plethora of new uh, publications and, and websites and stuff dedicated to tennis. But Ubi Tennis is still a rock-solid presence online for Italy and Italian tennis since many, many years already. Okay, so this was the regular episode three of Yannick Sinner's show. 
thank you for listening stay with us like share and comment and give us feedbacks uh, we will be back very very soon bye goodbye till next time